Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hello, Megan. Welcome to Hello Universe. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and talk to both of you. Yay! <laughs> we made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to start off with our of our weekly question, which is, uh, what's one thing that's life teaching you in this moment? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm still learning <laughs> that I'm still sort of learning that like the point is not to be comfortable all the time. <laughs> I feel like that's a perpetual lesson for me that, you know, I feel like when I'm at my edge or my growth, my growth edge, like it doesn't always mean that I'm suffering a lot or there's like these major upheavals, but I also have to, I'm learning how to recognize better, like when I'm sort of like falling asleep and getting too comfortable. And um, it sounds kind of cliche and this is a working draft because I'm still like very in it, but I feel like I'm just at a new level of learning how important it is to sort of go toward the discomfort. And like someone asked last week in this group I'm in, like, when when's the time when you've like been navigating in the darkness in your life and I just was like all the time like who's not (laughs) navigating darkness all the time and I just so I'm just sort of at another edge of learning like what it means to be kind of initiated into adulthood and like that it doesn't mean anything's wrong if I'm uncomfortable I can totally find ease but sometimes it clicks into like just wanting to be comfortable and like stay, you know, um, and sort of be taken care of in these like not super helpful ways. So I'm just at one of those edges again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, Kylie. Can I ask a totally vulnerable question that you can say no to? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are some of these, like, what is some of the the specific discomfort that's showing up now, now that you're like learning to, pal around with Mm -hmm. well I decided a few weeks ago like right at the start of Scorpio season we had the first eclipse Um, and this had been brewing for a long time but it just became like very clear that I had to end this community that I've been running for two Mm. years that's kind of a core part of my business Um, and again like nothing was wrong there was no like major crisis but it just wasn't there's this roomy quote or like you have to forsake a thousand loves to have one whole heart or something mm-hmm. like that. Or like you just, I'm just realizing how comfortable I've been with having like a ton of things going on and some of them are fine and it's all, I'm like busy. And so I must be doing well. And that was one that was like, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Like I'm very sad to be ending that. And it's really hard to hear like the wonderful things people are saying, but I just know like, I just, the, the, the thing has sort of come to an end. So that's one right now. I'm busy. So I must be, what was it that you said? I'm busy. So I must be, <laughs> I think doing well, like it, doing well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one, that one stung a little, that was like an arrow right to my heart. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's been, I've been recently um, personally sitting with like my, my, dis- the, the, I, res- I just resonate with that a lot because the discomfort that I have been sitting in is, is specifically about rest and realizing like, 
oh, like, what is it? Like, what does it look like to slow down? And what does it look like to like say no to things? And what does it look like to, you know, anyway, point being rest feels like much more uncomfortable. Like give me a hard task, like uh, an emotional crisis, like great, easy, but like relax. Mm. That sounds really, truly terrible. So, (laughs) Mm. um, so I, 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 I love what you're speaking to. Yeah. Can I ask a follow-up question about this discomfort piece too, which I love, by the way, there is something really freeing about like noticing something uncomfortable and then being like, wait, but this isn't necessarily bad. I feel like there's, there's just like these little shifts that I have sometimes where like, I'm like, oh, I'm scared shitless. And I'm like, wait, but scared isn't bad. Like I can be scared. It's just like my judgment that, that is making it bad, you know? So, um, but I think I'm really interested in like, I think you said something earlier about doing your best to notice when you're getting really comfortable and being aware of when you've gotten too comfortable. How can you tell? I feel like that's a little difficult to not, to like pinpoint as well because um because when you're comfortable, you're just like, "Oh, this is it." You know, it's like you said you, you we, we all kind of just fall back asleep. So, yeah, any thoughts on that? Mhm. For me, it's when I can see myself like avoiding the things I know I need to do. Like I, one of the reasons why I think Cedar Lodge, this community has to fall away is that for months, for years, I've been avoiding like really like writing something meaningful. I don't know if it's a book or what, but like I write a lot, but have never like put it in one place. And I know that that is something I need to do. And so I get quote unquote comfortable in like the busyness and like, I don't have time to do this creative project. Like it has no, there's no immediate income, you know, like I should just do more client work or whatever. Um, And it's this comfort that's like not super easeful because it's just like what's familiar. Um, And it's really up for me right now. I'm part of this discussion, the seminar series by these two wonderful mental health professionals, Magda and Molly. And it's all about this book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. I don't know if you read it by Mm, Dr. Estes. Um, And so they're taking us through each of the stories each week. And the last one that we read was a story about Vasilisa, which is like an initiation story where Vasilisa, her mother dies and she has to go into the forest and like find Baba Yaga and receive fire in return. And the first step in her initiation process is that what's called the too good mother has to die. And it's this piece where, like, we have to extricate ourselves from this, like, phenomenon of the too good mother where we're constantly looking to be, like, taken care of. And, like, um, and some of this is, like, true, like, actual, like, attachment stuff. And some of it is, like, the mythological process of initiation where, like, it's so easy to stay, like, in the village with civilization and, like, be coddled, you know, and all your meals are provided and it's warm and comfortable. But, like, to be initiated Vasilisa has to go into the forest alone and in the dark and do what is scary and she comes back with her fire you know um and so that story is just like provided a really helpful frame for me right now that um yeah we're just not meant to always stay in the village where we've got all our family and friends and we're like warm and provided for uh we have to there has to be both and I'm sort Mm -hmm. of wrestling with that 
you gave you just gifted me something. So this is a quick aside, but you just gifted me something really great. So I talk a lot about like the darkness, especially with the work I do with my friend Liz and um our like magic circle and retreats. Um, I talk a lot about the darkness. And I really hate the whole idea of like go into the darkness and like find your light or go into the darkness and transform it into light. Like I'm very resistant to that because I'm like, go into the darkness because it's fucking dark. And that's like a, a totally acceptable place to be. And I really love this idea of like going into the darkness because your fire is there. There's something really, there's something different, um, even though like technically fire is light. There's just, you just are gifting me something really nourishing around the idea of like, there's a, there's a there's a fire that gets to show up in the darkness that's special, um, that feels different than the like bright shiny light that burns away all darkness, which <laughs> I'm not that interested in. So, mm-hmm. thank you for yeah, that. I do love that. Mm-hmm. I have to say personally, like I, when you were talking, I mean, all this is really beautiful, but I could not. I felt like you were speaking to my own internal experience in some very intimate way that felt a little bit like, oh, wait, like this is uncomfortable because (laughs) I just felt like you were reading me up and down. (laughs) But uh, I mean, you know, so so yes, this podcast will come out after the one. Yeah. So we've already shared. So the podcast came out today where I talk about, you know, I separated with my partner. And so everything that you're saying, which is so resonant about like, you can get really comfortable, but and and but there's a calling there where you need to like I, I when you're talking about going alone into the woods like that's kind of where I feel like I am right now. Yeah. And I shared on that episode about where I talked about our podcast is like or my breakup is that I said something along the lines of like it's hard to give up something that's good for something that's true. And that's been really like coming up for me a lot and even as you were talking about Cedar Lodge ending, I think that's the same thing. It's like you've got this good thing going on, right? And like that's why it's so fucking hard because it's good, mm-hmm. but there's something inside of you that's like, wait, but I have a bigger desire here. And it's scary as fuck because it may not make logical sense to go and follow that. Um, but also like, do we really have a choice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, I think we do, but I, and I think our life is richer when we choose you know, what you would say is like true, you know, like I was actually talking about this with a very dear friend of mine today, uh, who's at a crossroads of decisions, right? And it's like, I think that there are these moments where we choose if we're going to be small or big, that's kind of the lens that I have around it, which is the same, it's the same thing, right? And it's like, I think we make these decisions a million times a day, but there are also really big moments for these decisions, right? And this, and the like, the idea of like comfort comfort that is coddling or good that isn't true, like as a kind of smallness and the darkness and the truth and the like unknown that pulls at us is I think where our bigness lives. And um, I think we end up making both decisions all the time, right? We're never like always big, like, right? So but true. I do I do think if we have a consistent practice of choosing our own bigness, which is another way of choosing to like believe in ourselves. Anyway, I think if we have, if we more often than not choose our bigness, then that's where like richness lives. That's where like our life exists. And so, um. And so I think that that's like 
why we're each in our own way speaking to that. And also, I hear you discrediting something big and brave that you're doing, Eva, which mm-hmm. is like, we do have a choice and you are in this moment choosing something scary and big. Um, and I'm crying. And um, and you do have a choice and you're and you're making a you're making you're betting on yourself in a big and important way and it's worth recognizing it's too early in the podcast to cry (laughs) (laughs) i think that comes like somewhere towards the end yeah yeah i know we are really getting in there quick (laughs) um i will say yes yes i mean i I want to be able to accept that compliment and 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 own that so so yes i think there is a choice right because i think i guess the truth is there's probably a lot of people who don't make that choice and then feel really stuck i guess the reason i feel like do we have a choice is because it's like either way we're suffering mm-hmm. like if we're doing so like you know you're if you stay ho- like facilitating a program that you're not 100 aligned with if i'm in a relationship that i'm not 100 aligned with like something's got to give eventually i guess so i guess i just kind of feel like do we really have a choice because i think life like when you start I, my experience is when you don't live in your own truth life will for- fucking force you there <laughs> you like it or not and so um and then you end up paying some by a price. So anyway, but I hear what you're saying. Like it was a cognizant choice I was making, but that caught co- that cognizant choice came from a sense of also like, uh, I'd rather just like make a choice. Yeah. than hit rock bottom and then life half life, make it for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, all right. Where do, where do we go from here? <laughs> Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your work, Megan, and sort of the space and uh, place that you hold? Sure. Yeah, I do. I call myself a career coach, which is like not fit for like a decade, but I still can't come up with like a better <laughs> it's term. So hard. It's yeah. so hard. Yeah. So I hard. don't know. I don't and know. It what... also like doesn't, I want, I, I want, at this point, it doesn't fucking matter because I just it really can't, doesn't. Mm-hmm. I can't stay super attached to that. Yeah. yeah. And also like who's hiring someone based on their title, right? Like by the mm-hmm. time you figure out what someone's title is, like you're already 80% of the way there. Yeah. 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 So I do, I like support people through major work transitions, mostly people who are either burnt out or like pre burnout or like know that something needs to change where they're getting that like deeper push, but they don't know what is next. And there's all many, many roadblocks, of course. Um, and so I do mostly like vocational purpose kind of coaching and it's all based on the seasons. Um, so seeing people's vocational journeys, like in a seasonal lens um, and supporting them moving through, you know, a six month, like fall to summer sort of, process. Um, And it's very spiritual. I think work, it can be like a a very toxic experience. It can also be of an experience of real healing and reclamation. And uh, so, yeah, I sort of am in work stuff and also like spiritual stuff and they all sort of come together and uh, nature and natural cycles are like a foundational element of that. So I do coaching and tarot readings and um, have been running this group (laughs) and have a podcast and just think a lot about how we, how we can like become people who are aligned with what the natural world is doing and that our labor really is sacred. It's this like life force that comes through us. And there are, we deserve to 
feel resonance there and it doesn't always it doesn't look the same for anyone but uh the workplace the modern workplace is just like ground zero for capitalism i feel like so um it's a really ripe rich ecosystem to be working in those two mm. places uh, where do we even go because <laughs> like okay, i will i will say for me the thing that hit me the hardest right just now was this idea of like that our labor is sacred. Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. And it really also pointed out how I, yeah, it's really fascinating that I don't treat my labor as sacred. I don't think I, um, I don't know. There's, there's such a, when I get caught up in the doing, there's almost such like a forceful, strategic, tidy, like to-do list essence of it that I'm stripping it of all of its sacredness when I'm in that state. Mm. And you're just giving me language for, and you know, sometimes it's, it's you know, it's funny because language is nothing, but it's also everything. And sometimes someone can just give you a framework for how you can relate to something differently and it can change everything. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm getting this mental image of like like reverence and devotion, right? And like what's a what's a I've been really reconsidering my like the way I'm showing up on social media and like, you know, how much I show up and what I want to be doing there. And uh like and I've been just sitting with the question. I do this a lot, like where I kind of try to drop the question uh like almost like you know when someone is doing like a big jigsaw puzzle and they like just have it set up on the table for the thanksgiving weekend and you walk by and you like put a few pieces in and that's kind of my approach to like big like bigger questions like how do i want to be showing up on social media so i've just kind of like plopped that question in the middle of the table and i like every once in a while i'm like oh those two pieces go together anyway um meaning i'm not like in there like digging at it trying to problem solve too much um but what it what what I'm thinking about now is like, what is what is it what does it mean to be like reverent about how I want it? Like, what what would it look like to for that to be something that's reverent and that has devotion? Um, and and if immediately my feeling is like Facebook doesn't get devotion, like maybe that's not a place I want to be, right? And um, or is there a way that like reverence shows up there? And I. I feel very excited. This feels like feels like the edge just got completed, and I'm very excited about what comes next for the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think everything can be or is sacred. I yeah. mean, even these computers we're on are all made out of natural elements. You know, I think it's just a matter of like our intention and the energy behind it, and you know, work for our ancestors would have had a direct connection. Like we would be out in the earth picking the berries weaving the the thread or the wool like there was this very tactical like where we could maybe see more easily that like the washing of the clothes was a ritual of purification you know mm -hmm. but what is what is sacred about my to-do list or like my you know it's i feel like there's more of a separation now and mm -hmm. i do really believe everything can be reverent and devotional and there is more distance, I think, now from the sort of cycles and the like tangibility, I guess, of our work and what felt sacred there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how, I guess the bigger question that I have is in your work that you do with your clients, what is the journey that you sort of take people through? Um, you know, and what does it look like when work and our labor becomes sacred? It sounds like seasonality is a big piece of that. And I'm wondering if, I mean, I kind of just want to hear more about this and how you help people feel more connected to their work in this really sacred way. Um, but maybe starting with talking about the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we always start in the fall, which I think is sort of the it's a cycle, so it never ends, but it's where like the entry point is for me, where people, I invite Sorry, people. Can I interrupt? Do you mean like you start working with people in the fall? No, like that's where the workbook begins, essentially, like, like the framework it. of our process, although it is really awesome when it lines up. Um, so that that's at the beginning, there's sort of this like objective assessment of like what grew this summer? What have I harvested? Like what is the state of the field or the land that like the internal landscape um, and some like intention setting about like how they want to cross this threshold. I think one of the benefits of like any program or container is that it can be like a really strong container, I guess, or like you are, you literally are crossing and choosing to like make things different. Like things can really be different if you cross it with a lot of intention. So that's partly what we do in the fall. Um, And then there's a lot of support around shedding and letting go of sometimes that's literally a job someone's been in, a way that they've been showing up in work, beliefs they have about work. Um, You know, we talk a lot about like concerns around income. And so it's just this like letting go that we see among the deciduous trees in the fall. Can I ask, are there any common themes that show up a lot that are like that need to be let go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of them is this like very kind of binary thinking about like what options are available. A lot of people come and like say they're in like a corporate job or they have this job and there's this very like rigid thinking that they either have to stay in their job and suffer and it's just what you have to do to be an adult or they're going to break out and just like be impoverished and struggle in a different way as an entrepreneur. So there's a lot of like just rigidity around what people feel like is available to them. Also, of course, like themes of overwork and, um, you know, we all like are living in this very extractive system. So we extract from ourselves and we're like working more than our body's resources really can support. Um, and so those are two of like the main ones supporting people through burnout essentially and then like helping them to start make their thinking a little more flexible and malleable yeah love that yeah (laughs) and then in the winter we look at values um which is like a buzzword that has like many many different meanings but i think of values as like the riverbank for your life force. So like, what are the strong like trees that are supporting the soil so that it doesn't erode? Like, what are the things you need in your life to feel really um, contained and like your, your life force can flow through to give your life meaning. So we do, there's like an exercise we do for that. That's when I do their tarot reading to start to bring in some more spiritual, like a different perspective on where they are. Um, And we also talk a lot about like how to create strong soil for themselves you know in the winter 
it looks like nothing is happening and we can feel like everything is frozen, like the earth is dead and it'll never return. But it's such an important period. And, you know, with climate change, it really is this like sacred season we need to hold on to in, inside of ourselves, but also literally on the planet. Um, it's this really important time of integration where the seeds are, the seeds are, doing stuff under the soil, you know, really important things that we can't see. And we don't even, we might not even know what they are or what they're going to become. But our role in the winter is really to create like the friendliest environment for our inner seeds as possible. So that looks different for everyone, but a lot of rest and spaciousness and different inquiry. I also find at this stage, people start to not have language for what Mm. they are looking for. It's this time of like, not really not knowing um, and supporting people through that and kind of like keeping secret their process. It doesn't have to make sense to anyone. It's okay if you have no idea what you're doing or feel like nothing's ever going to bloom again. Um, so really just being in the mystery of that season. Mm-hmm. I So I have a contentious relationship with the winter because I'm a warm weather person, but that description of winter, I love very much because it is very much how I feel about rest in general, which is that like, and this is like what I will tell my clients as well is like, when you're freaking out on the couch and you feel like you're doing jack shit and like, like that's an important, you like you may not understand what is happening and you don't need to logically understand what's happening. But usually if your body is craving that rest, there's something happening organically and intuitively that just like the seasons, like you don't, the seasons aren't like efforting. They just, they just do their thing. And then you come out on the other side of that rest and you'll see that actually that integration process, you were doing something that whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I just a really, that's been really helpful for me as, you know, a recovering workaholic who still comes, still occasionally goes back into, dips back into her old ways. Um, just like the trust of, I guess, using the seasons as a framework of just like the trusting that something is happening mm-hmm. and that exactly what needs to happen is happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also love what you're speaking to around when we slip beneath language, right? Like there's this moment, I know it well, of like something is bubbling inside of me, right? And, and, uh, and I can feel sometimes I can even feel like like, oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a thing I wanna share with the world in three months. Right? Sometimes it's really like it can it can be clear and other times it's just like alchemy is happening. I don't and 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 that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Um and I have found it to be like just such a fucking rewarding and delicious experience to like know that alchemy is happening, having no access to actually explaining it, right? Or like my my attempts to explain it being like, okay, this is cute, right? Like this is like <laughs> so falling short. Um, and then like, yeah, it's like, it's like when you plant a seed and then all of a sudden something pops out of the soil and you're like, oh, fucking shit, that worked, you know? <laughs> yes. So I just really love, I really love the way in which you are speaking to like transition and transformation and growth that happens at a level that our thinking mind is not in charge of. 
mm-hmm. and that that being a like really 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 juicy and important part of whatever process we're making mm-hmm. yeah yeah one of my favorite metaphors for the winter is that like around you know midwinter like aquarius season or so the seeds start this and it depends on when the seed is going to bloom but there's this process called imbibition where in order for the seed to sprout and the covering to open the seed has to absorb a lot of water and the water like forces the opening and so i've always hold on to that as a reminder that like even if you don't know what to do just like drink in what is going to feed you and it will the seed is going to crack open you know but it's not this direct like you know pulling the thing open like drink it in and crabs do the same thing in the summer when they molt or i'm thinking of cancer season but crabs when they molt they drink in a bunch of seawater and it expand and the molting seam breaks and they just sort of can glide out you know mm. so like it doesn't have to be this effortful thing. It can actually be like we're drinking in so much of what is feeding us right now that the thing just comes off on its own, oh, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I th- I've been thinking of this a lot lately, like this idea that we think that growth and change has to have all this effort behind it. And if you look at a tree, it's not efforting. It's just fucking growing, right? It's not like the tree's not like, tomorrow I'm going to grow so extra hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Like, it's just existing. And I think that, um, I just think about this a lot lately. Like, whatever transition, like, whatever transition or transformation or alchemy I might be hungry for, like, it's just fucking happening. And my job is just to show up for it and witness it and maybe choose bigness instead of smallness. But, like, it's not, I don't have to go out there with my, like, shovel or pickaxe and, like, fix and uh, I can just show up. And that's me, like, growing towards the sun that day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm just soaking this in. Because that is, that is like, the way. when And when I am really in tune with myself, that is how I live. And it's honestly, like, the world that I just crave for all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that way of being. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially... Uh, I suspect that a number of the client that the clients who come to you like are either in the middle of change or want change. And I think it can be a real, um, a really bold exercise in trust to be like, just show up, right? Like, and trust that the alchemy is happening. Trust that like this thing that you can't explain, but you can feel like, yeah, more of that, right? Because especially when we're hungry for change, we can be in fix it mode and we can want to like, you know, control and effort it. And, um, and there's something so miraculous that happens when we can just be in it without the, like, um, without the striving and also, uh, how lucky for your clients that they have you to help them maybe not panic when, (laughs) (laughs) and just show up for it. So that's very cool. Thanks. Yeah. And I think it makes for much, more firmly established roots come the spring Mm -hmm. you know i mean the spring is chaotic and vibrant (laughs) the spring is is this is it called is it ambibition is that what it's called ambibition yeah it's one word i know imbibe yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah is spring like ambibition like where where, you know the 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 covering is like breaking open (laughs) yeah i think of it as sort of 
you know, it comes like after the spring equinox in late March. Um, and so things are, we're starting to see like the early blooms. Um, and it's a, it's this like, it's a lot of support around letting the thing emerge because like Kylie said, like we can get so excited and we see the sprout and we like have this idea and like, this is what I'm going to do next. And then we can like dump too much compost on it or we'd start telling everyone and everyone's like toxic judgments are killing that tiny little sprout. So it's a lot of support around like, yes, like totally supporting this new thing, like definitely get excited about it. Let's look at all of the possibilities a lot of people are out doing like networking and we're cross pollinating and it's beautiful. And we want to really protect this like precious nascent thing. We don't want to jump on it with a bunch of analysis and like a business plan. And like, are you ready to, you know, make a bunch of profit or like, is this the job that I'll be in for the rest of my life? Um, So yeah, we do a lot of that in the spring. And then in the summer, we're really looking at like what's come to fruition since the fall and what, you can see now like oh this was this kind of plant like I'm enjoying this type of fruit now like and I have that to share and there's um this new level of like stability and mastery and um that that is available in the summer because the days are long and we can see and there's consciousness and there's this you're sort of at the at the end of the cycle you know but and people have to remember that like the fall is going to come again right you don't you don't stay like in this abundance of summer all the time. Um, And I think once we get more comfortable with that, it's less shocking when it's time to do these big sheddings or letting go and these little deaths that we do all throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a picture of the cycle. Everyone does it on their own timeline, but around six months is about what I've found works for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we go through these seasons all throughout our lives, you know? So I was going to say like <laughs> the thing about, that I love about the, this framework of seasons is that, is that it's cyclical and it happens over and over and over and over and over. Like I, we will, I, I'll speak for myself. I will have this experience 20,000 times before I die, maybe more. And it's helpful because, um, you know, it's helpful because it, it reminds me that I'm supposed to have winter and I'm also supposed to have summer and I'm also supposed to have spring. So there's, there's going to be those downtime moments, but I think so much of our stuff, and there's also going to be like the growth, the harvesting and the growth and all that, but the suffering comes when we're in winter and we're trying to be in summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I guess you could say when we're, I mean, you could say anything, any resisting anything, resisting whatever part of the cycle season that you're in is the part that I think causes suffering and potentially slows down slows us down in some way like it um do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah 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 can i ask how you came to this as the place that you show up for folks yeah i don't really i don't there was no like one moment um i moved back to portland from boston in 2014 i think and was like at my own peak burnout period and started just like kind of accidentally got into HR consulting. I was an HR manager in Boston and came out and just sort of accidentally fell into entrepreneurship. Um, And so I started this blog and I just started writing and I don't know. I just noticed that like a lot of the things I would pick out and pull on were natural from the, Mm. from cycles or from animals and plants and, um, I don't remember when the seasonal framework really coalesced. I, it might have been 
around three years ago. Um, I just sort of realized like that's what I was doing the whole time, mm. but I had never like named it and really put it, put the framework yeah. in. Don't you love that when you're like, oh, I've been do- <laughs> oh, I've been already doing this thing, right? Mm. I have this moment with clients all the time where like, we're like, you know, ta-da, here's your magic. It's exactly what you've been doing all along and now you just see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it was a very like organic unfolding. Um, yeah, and it just feels, you know, it's not mine, obviously. <laughs> like the seasons are for everyone. Um, it's just the language that like makes the most sense to me and has been helpful in this way. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's language. It's a framework, but it's also rooted in like what we see outside of ourselves too. Like if you're very in touch with nature and the weather, <laughs> like it's something that we can see. It's, you know, it's, it's the undeniable process of what's happening um, for all of us every, yeah. every year. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So you are, so Kylie's outside of Boston and now I'm in Portland. So you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Megan are in the middle. <laughs> um, did you, I am actually, this is a bit of an aside, but I am wondering, so you grew, you grew up in, around Portland? In Eugene, about two Eugene. hours south. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you had a connection with nature growing up? Yes. I, we never, we did live in the country, like once I moved to middle school. Um, but yeah, I, not really intentionally, I don't think, but my parents, I think did a good job of like always offering us like these outdoor spaces. We would go to camp every summer. Um, and I always just felt very, um, not really at home, but like it felt like a liminal place where like it was sort of transcendent. Um, and I could, I sort of felt myself like merge with the place as a little Mm. person. Um, and I don't know if it's my astrological makeup or like who, just who I am, but it just is what makes sense to me. And I, and we're just, we just are nature, you know? And so like, I am that and you are, and, and we all are. And it's just, yeah, it's, I just can't imagine seeing things differently. It's just yeah. like a core. Yeah. I, I get the sense that like your connection to nature is a big part of your like lens in which you like see the world. And I find that, and I asked just because, and I know this is definitely, this is a generalization for sure, but I do think, I feel like a lot of people I've met in Oregon grow, who've grown up in Oregon have a sense of feeling more comfortable and connected to nature because I mean, Oregon is just like, it's, it's, it's for, I don't know, you know, the nature here is, is, um, or the Pacific Northwest, I will say it's very peak alive, ideal <laughs> nature. It's like, when you mm-hmm. think of like forests, um, and yeah, and that's aliveness and this greenness, I feel like it's very Pacific Northwest anyway, just food for thought because I, I didn't really grow up in nature and it makes me feel like if I ever had kids, that's something that would be so important for me to want to, um, include in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, you didn't really grow up in nature, but it's like such a, it's so like baked into who you are. As I know you, or I know this wasn't always the case, but like yeah. it's such a 
it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a huge part of my life now, like huge, but I think, um, and it's been a very spiritual journey too, because I actually think like the more connected we are to nature, the more spiritual we become. Like it's, Mm. you know, nature, I think is for me anyway, like the greatest teacher. Um, and I have big feelings about it. Um, I guess I just mourn the years where I don't know, like I didn't have where my lip gloss was more important to me than like having wind because if there was wind, it mean my means my hair would stick to my lip gloss and I hated it. Like you gotta, I was like, I was LA, grew up in LA, hung out in the mall, was obsessed with just like getting boys numbers. Like clueless was my, I could not be. I, I've just gone on this different path. And so just for the record, 16 year old Kylie is so intimidated of 16 year old Eva. <laughs> yeah, me too. She's like, uh, I'm just going to stick over here with my book. And my I mean, I'm not that girl lie. is I too cool. That girl in her lip gloss is way too cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was intimidating as shit. I think, I mean, I think I was friendly, but like, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that would be probably true because I was kind of, I don't know, probably arrogant and, uh, very mischievous and kind of a badass. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. One of the ongoing conversations in my house, my son is five, uh, is I have to keep reminding him that humans are animals. Are humans are animals? <sighs> and it's really funny because this came up again the other day at dinner, and I was like, I was like, you know, I said something like about how I we've had this conversation many times, and he was like, literally, like won't remember it. And he has a really good memory, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't remember having this conversation before." And I was like, "We we really have," but it, to me, it speaks to. And he goes to an outdoor for this is the second year at outdoor school, like for outdoor year round, like, um, so it is um, like a pretty intentional part of his life, and yet to me, it just speaks to how much, like we are separate right like our whole world as humans is to be separate from nature to the point that it's like very confusing for my five-year-old to be like no you're you're an animal you are also an animal Mm -hmm. uh and to me it's just like a perfect example of like all of us walking around being like nature is out there Mm -hmm. and then i do this other thing and sometimes i go in out into nature but like what a um yeah, what a wild or right the way that like work, for example, is this thing that takes up so much of our mental um bandwidth and 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 our time and and yeah, that it is somehow stripped from any sense of 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 being organic and nature mm-hmm. and having movement and flow to it. So mm-hmm. um I really love this marriage of labor and nature. It mm-hmm. feels very um, might be helpful for my five-year-old too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My five-year-old would probably say the same thing. Yeah. I mean, civilization does a great job of making us feel very different and separate and above and dominant over, but it doesn't take hardly anything to, that, to see that that's really just a facade. I mean, there's like coyotes in the alley right by our house and we live in, <laughs> in Portland and, you know, I've been out recently and like seeing there's the animal, like the life is just right there, you know, and, and I, I'll be interested to see like how that shifts and morphs like through collapse or as things really change. And um, I think some of the, like the big facades of like institutions and separation from nature, like are 
it'll be interesting to see what happens to those as climate change, you know, morphs and does its thing. And as I think we are going to necessarily need to become more intimate with the natural cycles and rhythms of whatever land we're living on and inhabiting right now. Um, Okay. Well, like staying on this topic of connection to nature though, I am curious for you, Megan, are there way intentional ways in which you're helping your children feel more connected to nature? I wonder if that's something that you like really think about on purpose. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have our own little like hodgepodge pagan practice of like, um, we're like working with each of the seasonal shifts and we put up a little seasonal altar and gather materials. And my daughter's also in an outdoor school. Um, and we try to, I mean, it's, it's still hard to hike with a two and five year old, but we do try and, um, yeah, we just talk about it a lot. I mean, she's like curious about why we have an electric car. We like are, you know, trying to pay really close attention on walks to all the creatures. I mean, yeah, I can see how it's easy to not instill that because like dominant culture is so not that. Um, So I think we do have to be intentional to give that to them. And like, it's intrinsic to who they are. Like they just love being outside. I don't have to tell them what to do. You know, I just Mm -hmm. give them the environment and they do what they're going to do. And I think they have the same like sense of merging and safety with it. You know, it's really beautiful to see. But something I think a lot about is how I'm, I might not be gifting them this like really deep connection to land. Like I think even I, we talked about in a conversation once that like, I love Oregon. I grew up here. I feel like very connected to the earth in many ways. And I don't have ancestors buried here. You know, we've been here one generation. I don't live on property that I have an intimate relationship with. Like there were native inhabitants there before white people came. Like I think a lot about how I'm not giving them, I think about what I'm not giving them essentially that like I I'm giving them, I hope like a level of comfort with the outdoors and fresh air and an appreciation for the earth. But I'm, I wonder what it, I wonder if I could gift them like a really intimate spiritual relationship with land that, you know, all of our ancestors had, but that many indigenous people still have to this day that I don't, that I don't have and have never experienced. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I appreciate your point of like one of the things I think about a lot as a mother is how I can only offer to my, and this is true for my clients too, in a different way. Like I can only offer my kids what I myself possess. Right. And, and, and so, um, you know, like trying to help my son with hyperactivity requires me to do the somatics to like have more inner, have my own access to inner stillness, right? Like I can only take him as, as, as far in as I can also go myself. And so this idea of like, like what I hear you speaking to is like a longing for, it's like kind of like an even more like an intimate connection to land in a particular kind of way. Um, And the longing for that and the like awareness that it's not, 
yeah, it's just it's not it's not our it's not ours to gift, even as we also see how um potent it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I well sorry, many things going on in my head right now. Are Birdie and Desi also two and five? Or is Desi six? Three and five. So we're very we are in very similar. Yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> I was laughing and actually just to the going on walk thing. So I picked my kids up. They go to the same school and their teacher was cracking up. She was like, if you ever feel like you're going crazy um, because you have like my son is of, of the pack of six kids in his class and their class. He's like, she's like, he is always the first one. And your daughter is always the last one. So she's like, it works out fine for me. Cause I have a bunch strung between, but she's like, if you ever feel like you're losing your mind, like, maybe it's not your fault <laughs> <laughs> wait the first one to what and then the last one for, to oh, like, like just like going for a walk like if they're like walking in the wood like any going anywhere like desi is always at the oh front and birdie is always at the back and i was I'm like sorry, but that is holy <laughs> and i never even noticed it and then i was thinking about times that i take them for walks and that's true like literally desi like it's like all the way, I have to like get him to stop all the time. And Birdie is just like dragging. She picks up every teeny tiny little flower, or like she literally will walk through a field and try to pick up every single daffodil in the entire field. No matter how many times I'm like, we need to leave some flowers for the flowers, like the daffodil, or they're you know, but it's just it's so it is very funny. So yes, I mean that's gonna be validating in some way because that's a lot for you to manage, right? You're like. You're trying to make sure, like, Desi doesn't run off, and you're also the whole time trying to make sure that, like, <laughs> Absolutely. it was just, yeah, it was so funny moment because I was like, oh my god, I literally never noticed, but that is exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and anyway, they're more their personalities, like, right? It's yeah. so spot on for their personalities. Oh. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, methodical, detail oriented, and then like just nonstop movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're more like they're they're like hike. Or even walk yeah. is a generous term. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah. I also feel so, so we live near, we live in a very suburban area, but we're lucky where there's 20 minutes from the ocean. And we also have lots of walking trails. I live on the South Shore for context since you're from Boston um, or you lived here. Um, and and then we have lots of walking trails. And I feel really grateful because like when I, like I don't know. You, they just force you to look at nature differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, my kids are hilarious. I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids are like, not another nature walk. <laughs> <laughs> at one point in peak COVID, they literally started crying and were like, "No, I don't want to go on a nature walk." And I was like, "It's the only option. Get the car." <laughs> but then they get there and they're like they never want to leave right like classic kid stuff but like one of the things that one of the big compromises i've reached with desi is like he just wants to walk on trails where there's no pavement right Mm -hmm. like he he really wants to be like he's like if we're going to go on a nature i want to be in the woods he wants there to be like you know roots and rocks and things to climb on and um and i love that right like so now i like will Piscope, I'll be like, we're gonna go on a roots trail. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, but I do feel like um yeah, I feel like they're gifting me in 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 the in their on they're gifting me like a richer 
experience, even as I think I'm the one being like, I'm going to show you the woods. And they're like totally yeah. the ones pulling me in to be like, but did you see this pine cone? You know, mm-hmm. did you pick the trail with full of roots or did you pick the boring one that was paved? And mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I really love that and feel grateful for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Megan, can I ask? So you were talking about, you know, you think a lot about what you don't give your kids and I guess I'm curious, like, can you talk about that more? So, like, what is it that you want to give them? You talked about, like, sacredness of the land that Indigenous folks have. And I'm curious, I don't know much. I guess I just want you to speak more about that. Like, what is it that you think that you think you're not giving them, that you would like to give them some? It sounds like you have this idea of, like, a way that it could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious, like, wait, what is that way that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, so to, it's like sort of about spirituality and land and they're like uh, totally connected. But one, in terms of spirituality, I was raised in like a fundamentalist Christian home. And so I'm totally piecemealing some sort of like Celtic pagan <laughs> spirituality, like we don't really worship the goddess, but I'm like open to it. So I'm like, re- I'm pulling from scratch to like give them a sense of spirituality that's not founded in Christianity or any religion. Um, and that's like hard. I have, to, I'm just like working it out on my own. And then, so I think I am going to, I am trying to give that to them. But the thing I feel like I haven't given myself yet, or I'm like on this quest to discover is you know, and reading like writings by indigenous authors or like paying attention to how indigenous activists relate to the land, you can't really separate like spirituality from like land-based practices. Um, And I think that was true for my Celtic Scandinavian ancestors too. It's just that, you know, they became, they became capitalism and colonialists and there's like it's much farther back and I being in the U S like feel really far from that. So I've been thinking a lot about like just big questions. Like should, like should we go to Europe and see like where people were from? Like, where are my ancestors buried? Like what did people believe before capitalism? Like, did I have ancestors who were killed in the witch hunts? Like we've never done like a big ceremony about that. Like, uh, should we move to Europe? Like, is there a place where they could be like intimately connected where they know the plants and the animals? And like, it's there, it's not a place where they're just going to live for five years and then move like I have, you know? Um, and I don't know, I only have questions really, but I, I feel like the pandemic and having two kids now, it's just, I'm really like in the mix of trying to figure out like what kind of life I want and like what I don't want to just be transient, you know, my whole life. And like here, you know, maybe we live in this house for 20 years, but what is it really? Like, it's just a house in a city. And um, I don't know. I want to give them something richer than that, I think. Um, But I, like Kylie said, I have to, I'm like trying to find it for myself first. Can I, can I offer something just from my own experience as a kid? So I grew up, um, in a beach town. Um, my dad's a commercial fisherman and my mom also grew up in that town. Um, and like, I like going to the woods. Like it's, it's, it's lovely. And 
but the ocean, like, like one time I hadn't seen the ocean in a long time. Um, like the Boston Harbor is not the same thing as the ocean, ocean, right? <laughs> and so I hadn't seen the ocean in a long time. And I, I, it's been like a couple of years, it felt like it might have been like 18 months, but I literally started like sobbing, right? Like, it's just like my heart is in the ocean. Um, but we, and I was lucky that we lived close to it, but also, like, it was just the fabric, it was just like the backdrop of our life, right? Like, it wasn't like my, my, my parents didn't necessarily make a big deal about like, um, I don't know. They didn't like tell me it's important. It just was like there all the time. And my mom had her really personal relationship with ocean and my dad had his, and they were both really different. My dad's is like a little bittersweet. There's a little resentment there. (laughs) Um, uh, But somehow like that, and also, of course, like the proximity, but there's something in all of that that like it feels that like the ocean lives inside me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and even like my husband, and I talk about moving and I'm like, that's an hour from the ocean. Like, that's a no go, you know, <laughs> like um, but even if I were to like move to the Midwest, I still feel like the ocean lives inside me. But for me, it just I think it really just comes from like. My parents loved the ocean and they each had their relationship with it. And then that's the thing that like gave me mine, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know. I guess I, I just feel compelled to offer that, which is to say, like, I feel really strong like you're doing the thing, you know, like someone who's always lived their life. Like, like you, you're so clearly committed to being in intimacy with nature and therefore you are showing for your children in this weird capitalist fucked up world that we've built, like what intimacy with, with nature can be. And my ocean relationship is different than my parents, but also like I got it because of theirs and they weren't even being intentional about it, you know? So um, I don't know. I think maybe you're already doing it. Thank you. Yeah. I think I'm doing some of Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but I will say, and um, I get the sense that this is really important to you. Maybe because so I've had the pleasure of talking to Megan before on this podcast, and you had mentioned that kind of like, I think in our first conversation, and you know it's something that's resonant with you now too. And I think I just I want to know more about that. To me, mm-hmm. I'm getting the sense that like this is almost like a soul desire of yours that you're like really longing to Mm. have more understanding about. And I don't think everyone has that, by the way. So that's why I'm interested. That's why I want to ask you about your experience. Cause like, what does this mean to you? Mm. Like, it's obviously important to you on a personal level. And I kind of just want to better understand why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I wrote a blog post about this and I think I published it on the autumn equinox and the morning I published it, my mom's mom died, my last grandmother, my last grandparent. Not, I mean, not like totally out of the blue, but like unexpectedly. And I feel like even before that, since this summer, I have really been like dragged into these questions. And it's not just questions, it's like dreams and visions and synchronicities. And I I wrote about it and my grandmother died and I knew I had to go to Missouri for her funeral because I missed 
my last two grandparents, my my other grandfather died before I was born. And when I was like getting ready to leave for Missouri, I was going by myself. And I just got this overwhelming sense that like, I have to take something to bury there. I had like, I have to put the pain away. I have to put pain away for the family line. And so I went out to my backyard and like gathered all of these grasses and I just made this like makeshift doll and I just carried her around with me for like three or four days. I put her on my altar. I put her next to my bed and I just like imbued her with all of the like trauma that I could feel and name that was in this family line. Um, And I took her on the plane with me and wrapped her in this like marigold dyed cloth that I had made with a friend and had a little ceremony in the hotel room in Missouri. And the day of her funeral went on a little tour with my great aunt who was showing us like where they had grown up and lived in Lockwood, Missouri. And they took us by the, my grandfather, her husband's home where he had grown up and, and it was just a vacant plot of land now, but I like had this overwhelming sense of like this doll has to be buried there. Like there was a lot of just horrible pain there. And, and so I buried her and it was like really, really healing. And I felt like I felt it change, you know, I, it felt like I actually put some pain away, you know? And I just wonder if like, I could keep doing that, <laughs> you know, like, could I put, pain away in California where my other grandmother is like, could I put pain away in Germany or Ireland? Like these things that I inherited that, you know, for better or worse are in me now that I don't want to pass on to my kids. This, this sense of like separation from nature, this sense of like disempowerment, this belief that, um, you know, all of the beliefs that come with civilization and capitalism. So, yeah, I feel like I'm on some kind of quest. Um, and that was a really powerful experience that I haven't talked about before, but um, was like a pilot process maybe, or some kind of initial mm. step. I'm honestly deeply moved, so deeply moved and touched when I heard you talk about that whole process. Um, I just got the sense that like, all of that seemed as if you were being intuitively pulled to act on something that just felt true to you. I'm just, I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious. This is fascinating to me because there's something here for you, obviously, or or else like, you know, because we all have these pulls sometimes where we're like, I just, I don't know why I know I feel like I need to do this or I need to go here. Um, And I don't know. I'm wondering if your ancestors are leading you (laughs) to something, you know, putting in a request of like, you know, we didn't like, I I do think it just gets passed on. Like whatever are my ancestors didn't get get to finish uh, is passed down to me. What I don't finish will be passed on maybe down to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you've been like handed a task of some sort. (laughs) That's kind of how I see it. That's how it feels. Hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm also struck in your story about um, one of the things that I love about what you might call witchcraft is the way in which it gets to be ours. So I grew up Catholic and 
um, Catholicism has so many rules, right? It's different than evangelicalism, but like it's it's a lot of rules. And um, I think what I really love about your story is, like Eva said, like this intuitive pull and also like it was yours, right? They were your grasses and they were like your cloth and also like, yeah, you can do magic in a hotel room. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's just this way of like, um, you get to make the fucking rules, right? And it's like your grandmother dies and you're aware of this like lineage of pain, like what ancestry doesn't have some tremendous pain. Uh, and also like, like what a gift that you get to like, pick the fucking rules of how you get to move it and dissolve it and release it and honor it too at the same time. Right. And I, um, yeah, I love the sovereignty of like your magic mm. being the thing that moved through you. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for the opening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will add to piggyback off of what Kylie just said there was also just like a sacredness in that whole mm -hmm. experience like I again when I said I was really moved I think it's because I was witness to this very sacred process of like um you chose it but also going back to this theme of sacredness that we talked about earlier is like everything can be sacred I think it's how we relate to something and the mm -hmm. intention that we put behind it and the energy that we put behind it and you were like you created this very sacred ceremony process for yourself through thin air basically Mm -hmm. and yeah. I, I and i say that to share with our audience to be like we can all do that uh -huh. all the time whenever we whenever the fuck we want uh -huh. <laughs> how cool is that i think it takes um a slowing down though uh -huh. yeah yeah it can be instinctual you know it's just it doesn't have to yeah i think a lot of us for many, a long time have been sort of cut off from those instincts and those little nudges, you know, my kids wouldn't hesitate to like make a doll out of grass, you know, like why not? But I have this filter that has taken years to sort of deconstruct. Um, but yeah, it was a really beautiful experience of just following those instincts and feeling led. Um, and yeah, I think if we just decide something is sacred, it becomes <laughs> that way. So yeah, yeah for yeah. us personally. Yeah. Are you thinking, Kylie? I was I thinking. Can... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also just like um, sitting in the energy of what you just shared, right? Like, I don't know. There's a deep, there's like a deep stillness of what you shared that, um, I don't know. I feel like I could just sit here and be quiet with y'all for 10 minutes. And now you're like, yeah, let's just sit more in this magic. <laughs> um, I guess I am curious, even as you have very blatantly shared that you have no idea what comes next i am curious of all the different of the nudges and pulls like what what feels loudest to you in this journey you feel like you might be initiated into by your ancestors mm -hmm. i mean i know i have to write about some of i have to write mm -hmm. <laughs> like um it's really proving hard for me when I don't have like a clear purpose. It's not meant to be a blog post. It's not gonna, like, it's just, I just have to do it. And that's hard when there's not like a leading, you know, quote unquote point. So I, I know I need to write about it. Um, I am wondering how 
I could get to Europe and what that might look like. I've never been to Europe or to where my ancestry is from. Um, those are the two primary like next mm. steps. <clears throat> um, yeah. I also think about like, you know, do we want to stay in the city or not? And it's just, yeah, my parents moved a lot. I think it's really common to move a lot and capitalism forces us to move for jobs and breaks communities in that way intentionally. And so I'm just also trying to be thoughtful about like, where, where are we planted? Is this, you know, yeah. could I explore Europe? Like not to move necessarily, but just, yeah. Like, like Eva said, it's just this nudge and I have no idea. And I like, it's really expensive and I don't know how I'd go with two kids and I'll, I have many, many questions, but um, yeah, I think Germany, Wales and Ireland has something for me. Mm. Well, I really do believe in like setting the intention and Kylie and I talk about this a lot, but like you set the intention and you maybe don't have to, I mean, you can think about it if you want, but like there's also a joy in like not worrying about how it's going to happen. Cause I think that's mm -hmm. where we get so stuck all the time is that the logical brain goes, but how or like how is that even possible and um whatever you can like spend some time there too but also i don't know there's just been a ton i feel like there's been a shit ton of stuff that's happened for me where i was like i i know i want this to happen it doesn't seem realistic at all never know how it's gonna happen and then it and then eventually somehow like it it does mm -hmm. so i want to say that but um something else i want to offer is you know, you can bring Germany to you in some ways too. That's something that I've been thinking about recently because I was like in, in trying to figure out where I wanted to like move next after Portland. Um, I was like looking into astrocartography, which I still don't totally understand. There's a lot to learn for those people who don't know. Astrocartography is just like understanding. Um, yeah. Using your, using astrology to understand where and and geographically you would like would be good for you or not good for you or blah 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 um and what i had read was like so according to ast my astro cartography i would do really well in australia but i have no plans on really going to australia anytime soon but like you can i can bring australian culture into my life music food i don't know what australian food is like but those sorts of things and i think it can kind of bring in that same energy um i just thought that was like a fun idea to play around with mm -hmm. yeah i feel like it also creates this like resonance or some sort of like magnetism that like if i build that up in me i find that like it's it's easier mm -hmm. for the the other thing to come and meet that um yeah so i really like that reminder that i can set the intention and and just, I really like to feel into like, just how I might feel there and like, and just sort of visualize and without the needing to come in and plan that is really helpful. Yeah. yeah. I also feel like, um, that's one of the things that, uh, I just have this vision of you, like, I don't know, like making, uh, like Irish food with your kids, you know, like they're like, like making like my aunt makes soda, Irish soda bread all the time. And she's like, drops it on her doorstep which is hilarious <laughs> then i'm like you can come in <laughs> anyway um but like uh the like I'm, i don't know i'm having this sense of like the tactile experience of um so i grew up in a town it's like actually um like it like shows up in 
anthology in like lists of like the most Irish towns in America or Irish American towns in America. It's called like the Irish, like my grandfather called the Irish Riviera, which apparently is like its nickname, not just like George Kennedy's nickname for it. Anyway. um, So I don't know. I think about sometimes how like when my mom was growing up, so it was my mom's grandparents who came over from Ireland. So my mom was growing up, like she had these aunts and uncles and like after enough drinks, people would start singing old songs. Like, and, um, and then when I was growing up, I was in this like incredibly Irish American town. And like my grandfather was like so proud of being Irish and like, it was just, like a big part of our, our culture. And, and then I think about like, just like my family's culture. Right. I felt like really connected to it. And then I, and then, so it's not the land connection necessarily, but it's like this, it is this ancestral connection. And then I think about my daughter is actually born on St. Patrick's Day. Um, and, <laughs> and so St. Patrick's Day ends up often being about her birthday instead of like St. Patrick's Day. And <laughs> last year we, she put on shamrock tights and she got all excited because there was broccoli on her pants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god, my grandfather's gonna come back from the dead and murder me. Like that's what's about to happen. Like I, he is gonna start full on haunting me. Like you but um But also props to you as a mom because you have a daughter who likes broccoli. So Oh, she doesn't like oh she doesn't like broccoli. Oh, she doesn't she like just broccoli. recognizes the shape of <laughs> okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's impressive, but okay, I hear you. <laughs> no, 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 don't 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 uh but anyway, I guess I'm like thinking about um like the ways that we can like invite our ancestors to be alive in our life or like the um which is which is land and it's also like like the like right like the food of that land of that land and Mm -hmm. um and the way our kids give us an opportunity to be experiential in these things when my default is to be like brainy about them Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah so yeah I feel excited for this journey for you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Come back after you go to Germany. Come back and tell yeah, us all about it. I will. I mean, when yeah. you like publish your book too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on my book tour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. All right, Megan. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you'd want to that you want to talk about, hmm. or anything we didn't ask that we should have asked? No. Um, I mean, the only thing that I made a note of that I've been thinking about a lot is this um, sort of seasonal living and that I like there is this framework in my work for like how we work with our vocational seasons. But I'm also finding with each season how after a couple of years of working with it, like I am feeling much more synced up with Mm. what the natural world is doing. Like, I think if you just start to pay a little bit of attention, like you know, the emerging ideas come and like the sense of fruition, like I'm finding or it's an experiment and I'm noticing that like, I do think my inner and outer worlds are syncing up more, Mm -hmm. um, which is a work in progress, but it's really lovely to see that this isn't just a mental exercise that like I really feel with just a little bit of attention, we can like kind of mirror what's happening and drink it in. And um, so that's been really encouraging. And I just, I think that's absolutely possible for anyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might not have four seasons where you are, but whatever resonates, I think we can just 
attuned to those cycles and we start to see them manifest internally too. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And I, and I think there's an aliveness there's for me, there's an aliveness to that, the inner sinking with the outer, like the whole point is that it's a richer experience of life in my opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's cool. Mm Yeah. 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 Should we do joy? Yeah. Is it time for joy? Let's let's do our round of joy. Um, Megan, what's something that's bringing (laughs) you joy right now? Yeah. I feel like mine is kind of silly, but I, I feel like I have joy, but I don't, I have to like be intentional about having fun. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah, that's come up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this question was just like some like comedy that I've been watching with my partner, Chris. Um, he's like really into just absurd comedies that we've been watching this comedian named Tim Heidecker, which is really off the wall, just it's just so different than where I'm in in my normal mental space. And then I've been re-watching this series called Dairy Girls on Netflix. Oh Have God, you seen that? So much. <laughs> so I was just telling Eva to watch it. And then she texted me the other week too. Yeah. After she was like, Yes, we are all conspiring. The universe is conspiring for you to watch Dairy Girls. Okay, I know. I need I need to. Wait. Yes, okay. I, it is on the list. I just um haven't got sorry. But yes, it's Dairy. only been a week. You're you're allowed. You're off the hook. <laughs> sorry, I just got so excited. Yeah, it's really good. So just like just funny, like weird, absurd stuff is helping yeah. me feel that. I have a lot of that. Um Tim Heidecker. I'm writing that down because I love I mean, I love comedy too, but anything that like gets offers a different perspective, a way of thinking than me is always really appreciated. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kylie? What's something that's bringing you joy? Okay. So listeners who've been tuning in this season know that we are attempting to homeschool. So just for context, Megan, my kids go to outdoor school in the morning and then my son is in homeschool kindergarten and mm-hmm. uh, in the afternoon. Um, so we do like anyway, math, reading, um, and I have shared transparently in the beginning that like, I realized very quickly how much I was like, oh man, I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) And my son and I both have ADD and I've been on a big journey of like watching that in myself and in him. And, um, and thank you to all kind listeners who reached out and were like, you know, had advice and and space holding. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, And what's bringing me joy is homeschooling, which might not be the answer next week. But lately, it just feels like, you know, I feel really, it's like, it feels like a moment of trusting my process, right? Which is like, I don't know what, like, I don't know how this unfolds. And also, I didn't get graspy around like, I got to fix it. I got to fix it. I got to fix it, right? I just like witnessed like, oh, this is, this is tricky, or I feel overwhelmed, or I feel like, progress is being or whatever the things were and I just kind of like the puzzle metaphor like let it sit there and like would look at it when I would walk by and um lately I just feel like we're really like landing in a groove um around like me getting clarity that I want them to have more independent like more independent space for learning and so that helping me kind of focus on what I'm creating and um like today for example we did math class which is my, that one's hard for me mm-hmm. um uh where we dumped out all the halloween candy and then i was like great just put it categorize it and so he spent like 40 minutes like putting things into category by colors and shapes and types and then we spent another 40 minutes making patterns 
So it was like, okay, Kit Kat lollipop Eminem, Kit Kat lollipop <laughs> Eminem, and uh, and I would like make a like broken pattern and I'd have to fix it. It was just like so much fun, um, really independent on his part, uh, and just feels like what I was hoping for. So mm-hmm. you know, I might be overwhelmed next week again, but today homeschool, bring me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Yay! I I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that because I think it speaks to, I mean, for many reasons, but I think it's very real because like, regardless of whether or not you like it or not, you want to homeschool right now. Like this is, you know, this is an active choice that you want to do. So I just think it's interesting where things that we want, it's normal to sometimes be wildly, wildly joyful about it. And then, and then also it's going to be fucking hard. (laughs) That's just like the the realness, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, and also I really see your like talents coming out in that story, Kylie, <laughs> of like fun, fun, fun mom. Yeah. Thank you. I think, right. I think I'm better at that than like worksheets. Like that's not, I'm right. Like none, no one in my family is like that. We're sh- none of us are shining in worksheets. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, maybe my husband, he's very organized, but um, thank you. Yeah, so he could be the organized one and you get to be, you know, like the creative adventure one. That is that is is fully. I am chaos mom, and he is order dad. I'm glad my kids get one of both. (laughs) Um, How about you, beloved? Okay, so I have a couple things to share. Well, actually, I feel like it would be remiss not to talk about like this was this is the day we're recording this the day after the election, midterm elections, and we're getting our results. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that, like. Uh, you know, I thought I was a little bit. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, I think it's going to be a shit show. Um, it seems like across the board, uh, people have shown up and, um, I don't know. I have a little bit of more faith in democracy. So like, I, I don't know, something about feeling like things not- are less on fire than I expected them to be. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if that brings me joy, but I'm just like, this feels important. So there's that. Um, gosh, things that are bringing me joy. Okay. So a couple of other things, small things. Adam is getting ready to move and leave in a couple of days actually. And so this is really dumb, but um, I get so much fucking satisfaction out of selling things on, on like selling things or giving things away for free and, and like making sure things don't end up in the landfill and giving them to like the, making them the perfect match. And I feel like in another lifetime, I could be like a Craigslist, like Etsy slinger where I would just like <laughs> sling things and be like really good at it and just find so much got to be like finding, giving things like the right home. That feels really good. This feels like some real Capricorn energy. Just, just <laughs> yeah. gotta say, like the efficiency, the like earthy home vibes, yeah. like and it's transaction like, of money when you're yeah. selling. Like, yeah, exactly. The making money too is being like, yeah, I'm you're like, nailing like, like peak Capricorn over here. <laughs> People are gonna haggle, and I'm like haggle back. It's like very satisfying <laughs> to me. And Adam's just like, oh my god, like you know, he was just like, I he'd be happy just like to give everything away to like Goodwill, but I'm like, no, like I don't want. I actually find satisfaction in like not giving things to goodwill. I'd rather give something away for free, actually, I think to someone who like really needs, I don't know. Anyway, I have lots of thoughts about that whole system. Um, And the last thing I will say is similar to you, Kylie. So talking about how something, something ultimately that, so that you choose can be both joyful and painful. So, you know, Adam and I have chosen to separate yeah, at the same time. So these are his last few days. And I think what's actually bringing me joy is that we're really just trying to enjoy each other's company mm. in a really intentional way and just 
soak it up before we know it's going to end. And it has, and it is sad, but it also hasn't been, and it probably will be sad, but there's been, there's been joy there too, because I think I've said like, things have been like nicer between us since we've decided that we were going to go our separate ways. And so that's been a gift. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So... I'll be thinking of you these next few days. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I'll be on your podcast soon too. So I know. <laughs> more to discuss. Yeah. 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 So speaking of your podcast, why don't you share with people where they can find you and how they can work with you? Yeah. My website is at a, a wildnewwork.com. On Instagram, I'm at a wild new work, and it's also the name of my podcast. <laughs> so you can search for all of those things. Um yeah, I work with people one-on-one uh, and do tarot readings. And, uh, you know, the podcast is probably the best way to sort of hear my latest thoughts and ideas because it's the most kind of the f- most frequent place I am. Um, and yeah, I would love to connect with anyone who found this helpful, but I hope it was just helpful for everyone baseline. <laughs> so I've had, it's been really nice to talk to both of you. Yeah, it was helpful so for me. Much. Yeah, really <laughs> Good. nourishing. Good. Thank you.